Hello, and welcome to Sutro Sidewatch, episode 31. I'm your host, Kamran Shishtar, and with me hosting is... I'm Brandon from Apollo City Comics. And once again, we are joined by Alessandra. Hello. Hi, I'm back, baby. And so that means we're doing yeah. another Ghibli movie. We are doing another Ghibli movie. And yes. it's, you know, uh, not Hayao Miyazaki this time. Though. No, it's a Zao Takahata, baby. And we watched the saddest one after the most happy one. Grave of, of the Fireflies. fireflies. Oh my god. Yeah, yes. so this is, you know, it's in the vein, like, uh, we, we talked about it briefly last week that this came hand in hand with My Neighbor Totoro. Like, they were working on this at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were considering basically kind of doing like a weird double feature thing for it, for release and everything. And uh, I can say, you know, they're practically the same movie. Like, there's not really any differences. Feels like the same mood, you know. And oh, yeah. Obviously, totally. this is all a lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh I, okay. Compared Miyazaki, to yes, Miyazaki was like, "Look how beautiful Japan is," and Takahata was like, "Here's how shitty the war was." <laughs> That's a nice Japan. It would be a shame if someone put fire on it, huh? It's yeah. like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. We'll set yeah, fire. That contrast between the two is so interesting with like them being released and produced at the same time. So much they're working on all these. So much at the same time, they get like confused on which one they're working on each day because there was just so much going on at that time with them. Uh, And it's just such a contrasting view and vibe. Uh, I didn't, so I didn't cry. I didn't. Good good job. I didn't didn't cry either, either, but I will, I mean, I'll mention the scene that I, you know, got me choked up. Bacteria. Yeah, exactly. I wondered more than I And I will also tell you my experience, my first time watching it and the scene that I particularly just lost it at. So, I and I, I, you know, watching it, I feel like I would have cried, but going into like the first five minutes, I like instantly knew everything what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, and so it didn't like, I feel like, I don't know, I, I get kind of the purpose behind that, but it yeah. felt like such a drop that that's that's my probably only complaint about this entire film. Like, it was beautiful, it was intense. I, I was just sitting there afterwards, I was just sad. Like, it was one of those where it leaves an after. Kind of like when I saw, this is a different feeling I had when I saw this movie. But when I watched, I don't like in the movie Eraserhead by David Lynch. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I've never seen that. I've seen it, actually. And it's interesting. The the end, when I, I didn't like it, but the end of that movie, I literally felt, like, disgusting. Like, and I've never felt that at a movie before. Like, I just felt gross. But this one literally just left me feeling, like, empty and sad i haven't like felt the world that, like... doesn't matter anymore yeah it's just the so... world sucks i i do have one other complaint which i i maybe you guys can answer it for me um before we go into like the deep dives because really i don't know do you guys have any complaints about this film i just because there's really it's such a short part of the conversation um ty you know it was so you've probably heard Ty and uh, some of other Comron's podcasts mm-hmm. up to it down to it is one that he's on frequently um he so I watched it with him and uh he just he made a comparisons with like what other war movies would have done and he said well a lesser war movie would have done this a lesser war movie would have done that um he made he made a really big deal about the scenes not being 
like the sad the more sad scenes they like he didn't draw it out at all he offered a visual and you just got it based on the visual um i'm trying I thought that to was think good, actually yeah. Oh, like yeah, like the yeah, because you yeah. know, because um, in the scene I'm gonna talk about in particular later, that made me absolutely lose it the first time. Um, uh, that is a perfect example of it. I don't know if I should talk about the scene now or later. We'll get to that part. Yeah, yeah we'll get we'll to probably that. Part. Praise we'll that a yeah. little bit. Yeah. My um, only like, and this is probably a stupid thing. Maybe I miss, but like, why didn't he just pull out the money when they were like really starving? Uh, they weren't. I believe it was at that point where currency no longer was. It useful. mattered, right? Yeah. It was pretty much trade was the only thing. Yeah. And at a certain point, you even hear I'm like the kimonos don't work. Like the, yeah. we don't want this. What the hell is this going to do for me? I just um, like I remember that part where even the trader was just like, you know, money's not worth anything. But if you bring this, this or this, like we'll work something out. But like when it was already like time, oh, because the war had ended though. That's why. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So then everything. Okay. That was my only thing. I think I missed that, like, or maybe I didn't process it right, and I was gonna complain about that. But if the war ended and then that scene happened, that makes sense why the money was like worth something at that point, because then people were back and there was like fluctuation. Yeah. Um. Okay. Cool. That's what I missed. Yeah. yeah. That totally. I just went over my head, so I just wanted to figure that out because I was like bugging me a little bit. Um. But dude, this movie was. I don't know if we've ever reviewed a sadder movie yeah it's a, it's a pretty bummer of a movie and um i re- i watched a review piece before this it, before uh watching it again and i just felt the pit in my stomach of like oh my gosh i'm making myself watch this again why am i making myself do this i'm doing this for a podcast but oh my gosh what am i doing to myself i'm only gonna I'm only going to wreck myself again watching this movie because my first experience watching it was, like I said before, I had to stop the movie three or four times just to recompose myself because I was just, I I mean, it was also at the peak of the pandemic. It was like in June 2020 when I watched this. So my emotions were already already pretty high. high. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't have my jumble. (laughs) I didn't have my emotional support animal help me so um my emotions are fairly stay more stable even though i'm a teacher um it was much different too like it was the we had the famine of toilet paper the toilet paper shortage oh yeah that was was a big thing that was a huge thing so um but yeah uh watching this the first time through like just i recalled all the things that created just this pit in my stomach and i'm like oh my lord i'm gonna it's a i'm like i'm gonna re- relive this all over again by choice um <clears throat> but i mean it's a hard it's one of those movies where it's a it's a hard it's hard to watch but it's good to watch as well yeah because it's it's true and that's the cool part like this is like a like this is based on a true story for one um is it and yeah yeah. Is, uh, it was, yeah. Uh, okay, because I see. Yeah. Cause I've seen many. I've seen many arguments back and forth on a Studio Ghibli Facebook page whether or not it actually is. Oh yeah, the the original writer um, from the book. Yeah, it was made by. It was like his auto semi autobiographical book. Is what yeah. It said. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's 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 good that you that you caught that because I did not because I'm gonna tell everyone this right now. I did not do research going into this at all. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> I'm don't like you that on the air. <laughs> huh? You just play it off. <laughs> play it off. I know everything about this movie. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, um, it, yeah it's a it. short story, Grave of the Fireflies. I think it's part of a collection too, right, Comrade? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I have to look up the author's off. name again, but pretty much she, from what it sounded like, uh, the the situation wasn't necessarily the same. Uh, but it pretty much had the same trials, tribulations, and outcomes, more or less. Uh, same thing with a sister dying of pretty much like starva- like malnutrition and everything else. Uh, or I guess I, I couldn't... So that's the the hard part of like getting through the, the what they were talking about the book was it's hard to see if that was actually his sister or if that was like someone that kind of became like a sister to him. It was like one of those two, a girl he was taking care of, uh, and she died. Oh, uh, I, I read it was like literally his sister. Okay, was his sister? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I wasn't too yeah. sure. And like even his uh, stepfather died in like a, one of those fire bombings and everything. Yeah, that's why that's the the Kobe fire. Yeah, the fire bombs of Kobe. Yeah. was saying so that was interesting. Um, which we saw in the film, the fire bombs in the very beginning. That's what takes out his house. And yeah, uh, I will say I, I was saying it to Alessandra earlier uh, before we started recording. But I, you know. Many of Totoro and majority of the Miyazaki movies, at least the Hayao Miyazaki movies, I've seen at least once. And a couple of them I've seen multiple times. But uh, for Takahata, this is my first time seeing one of his films. And yes. uh, I'd never seen Grave of the Fireflies before. And just based on the way, I never asked anyone to tell me what it was. Like everyone just said, oh, you have to watch this. And I remember in history class saying, oh, if you want to learn about Japan's like kind of perspective during the end of the war, this is it. So this whole time and I see Grave of the Fireflies and I'm thinking, fire, oh shit. The entire time I kept thinking, oh, this is like the nukes happen and this is them trying to survive after the nukes or something. Yeah. And Oh, me too. Was, yeah. So the whole, I'm not going to lie, it did kind of take me for a spin. So the whole time I'm watching the movie and I'm just waiting because they go like, oh, no, there are sirens. And I'm like waiting to see it be like, oh, what's that? Oh, fuck. And it wasn't. And I'm like, I think it was about three quarters i want to say it was honestly between 50 percent to three quarters of the way through the film where it finally dawned on me and i'm like you know i, I don't think there's any nukes in this <laughs> yeah dude same same 100 <laughs> percent. yeah um i was I... under the impression that took place like like after the nukes um and then i kind of didn't see it like you know like an akira thing like it starts off mm-hmm. with the bomb you know i thought that's how it was gonna go and they carry the story and then i was like oh no maybe they're gonna show that like that's what's gonna happen because I figured that's the most prominent thing that, I don't know, I guess we're just yeah. Western. When I asked Ty, okay, what do you know about Grave of the Fireflies? Because this is his favorite, because this is our, that's his favorite question to ask me, like going into a movie I've never seen before, but he is very familiar with. He, he always asked me, okay, so what do you know about this movie? So I asked him in return, what do you know about Grave of the Fireflies? He said, I know it's about two kids in japan in world war ii and they die of radiation poisoning or something like that and i'm like they do not die of radiation poisoning actually they die of malnutrition and then he's like huh (laughs) like i could have sworn that they died on radiation poisoning i'm like no radiation was not included in this uh in this movie (laughs) yeah definitely not (laughs) it's not yeah he um (laughs) which i shouldn't be laughing about but you know shit like, hey. oh my God. um but yeah uh he was quite he was also quite surprised that a mention of like no nuclear stuff was mentioned at all um 
in the film. Uh, but they did acknowledge the, you know, war propaganda. There was one scene in particular in the movie uh, that you saw while the kids were um, trying to find their mom or they were on their way to find their mom. Uh, there was a guy waving a, J waving a Japan flag around. He was like, all hail the emperor. Uh, the, the emperor's great or something like that. I can't remember exactly what he said, but... Um, you know, it just only went to show you how brainwashed uh, a lot of these um, Japanese people were that they were really convinced that they were going to win because they had such a strong naval mm -hmm. um, fleet. But that ended up not happening. <laughs> Definitely not. Mm -mm. Um, and there's uh, there's <clears throat> honestly the, the reason I want to say I didn't. I feel like there's a couple of reasons why I didn't cry during this movie. Yeah. Uh, which I actually shocked myself with. I was like waiting for it. And I'm like, would I have cried Same. during this? And I'm like thinking 100%. about it. Like maybe this would have been the part. I'm not too sure. But uh, one, I think it would have been more effective if I was like, I remember talking about it in high school. I think this would have been great to watch in high school. And I think yeah. there potentially it would have happened just because or not. I guess not necessarily, at least the way our education usually goes and our, like, kind of the way we're shown everything. Uh, it would have been, like, actually new, like, oh, my God, I can't believe something like this could happen, all this stuff. And me at this age now, and just because just I research and learn shit, but, like, I watched it, and I'm like, yeah, sounds about right. Sounds about right. All right, yep. Well, yep, I mean, yep. they right at the beginning of the film, you know everything. The first, like, two minutes, you yeah. just know. Like, it's him on, like, that, that sewer area or that sewer subway area. And it's like, it's just him. So, you know, like when you see the like sister and all that, you're like, okay, she's not around. She's clearly going to die. Like if this is where he's at at this point. Um, oh, yeah. And then you just kind of pick up where they are like historically. And then you're just like, okay, then that makes sense. Yeah. Ty um, said that that did bring him some comfort going into the movie, knowing that, oh, yeah, they're both eventually going to die. So. And his was just much more like. Drawn out. Drawn out and just. <laughs> Did I mean it's something I also I don't want to pick at the kid, but like it, it's pretty much almost just the entire time of him somewhat surviving, but also just kind of letting things roll as they roll, and yeah. then just kind of giving up. And it's like, damn kid, you could have tried a little bit harder. I get it, but damn. And see, that's like the difficult part because the fact that you know that's that's where you kind of need to. Uh, that's where you know telling a story um kind of just get, gets difficult in the entertainment sense because in an entertainment sense uh the way it ended it didn't have a dramatic effect like it didn't have like a really big impact where you know you felt like just like holy fuck like we were bawling it they could have really dramatized this and made it really intense um which is what you would expect from like a hollywood-esque stance of storytelling a western stance of storytelling um, but like the fact that this was based on a true story and they were just trying to tell the story, uh, the way it happened, the way this person, I, I assume I got to, I'm going to research the short story now too. Um, but like that, that's different, you know, like that you could probably read this as literature and then you're going to be like, holy fuck, like this is heavy as hell. Uh, but the way they didn't over dramatize things, it makes us, I don't know, I guess maybe we're just more prone that we want more. We want more suffering. And I mean, I, I do that with characters. I make them suffer <laughs> like fucking crazy. Uh, that's the point of like <laughs> a lot of stuff sometimes. But I think this was just trying to tell the truth behind it, which 
I mean, it's it was still give, give us the true reality of what war was like yeah. back then. Yeah, and being a kid, like, what what the fuck do you know? And like, yeah. what, what, how far are you gonna go? Can we and... talk about the ant for a second? Oh, oh yeah, there, there's in... yeah, yeah. We got so I got plenty of notes here, um, which actually kind of starts with the ant because you know the mom dies and the ant's there and she's just like, oh, she's dead. Uh. <laughs> well, yeah, well no the all fir- the fucking adults in this movie were jerks they were all assholes i can't think of there was one decent person in the very beginning the girl that got them rations i kind of watched over for like a little bit and every single adult after that were fucking horrible yeah like and especially it, in that time it's funny because the span of time that this covers is very short it's mm-hmm. at, it's not like this is the entirety of the war in japan uh, the japanese like the, the of World War Two. It's just the like last few months or so of the war because at this point, you know, the Allies or pretty much the U.S. specifically has gone through island hopping, piece by piece, Iwo Jima, all that stuff. And by the end of it, now they're like, oh, we're enroaching on uh, Japanese territory, so now they're just doing uh, all the air raids. And you know, at a certain point, they get to Okinawa. But for the most part, they don't really land troops in most of Japan uh, or in really any of Japan for the most part. Besides, I think Okinawa, I think that was like the last place. But uh, it's like, you know, Japan finally getting pushed back. And I I do want to say, like, I think I'll save it till after we cover the movie itself that I'll kind of put in my critiques of like talking about how it's anti-war and uh, the hardships of war. And I guess my critique of how it went for Japan and everything else. I'll, I'll wait till after just because I would rather cover the main movie points first. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the aunt, like... Yeah, she was so welcoming at the beginning. And then um, as soon as it... And like as soon as it um, got like inconvenient to house them... Uh, to house the two kids for her she just became so abusive um incredibly to the kids just verbally abusive to them and you know it you know watching it the first time i was like what how could you be so rude to a kid and then and then um like i tried to see it from her perspective the second time around and i'm like she does have a like i she I get her point, like, hey, like, you're old enough to help, like, put out the fires. You're old enough to, you know, earn yourself a living or something like that. But this kid is, like, 13. He's, and he has a younger sister that he needs to watch Mm -hmm. and take care of. And I'm like, you you can't, like, he already has so much responsibility already. And if he helps out with like putting out fires and stuff, who's going to take care of the kid? Obviously you're not going to take care of my younger sister. Cause you don't even like her being around in the first place. So what, you just want me to move out like that kind of thing. And you know, she literally was like, yeah, I, I want you to like, if you're, if you're not going to thank me or anything, then you can cook your own food. And then he's like, oh, well, okay, I will. Then he buys himself a little a little stove, and he and she's like, "Oh, he's doing it to spite me." And I'm like, "There's no pleasing this woman." I think it's I guess a, a mix of um, you see 
her i guess more of like i've heard it before like i've heard that type of rhetoric from people before where it's like oh well if you don't like it then you know do this and majority of the time you know they're like oh whatever and you know they just kind of grin and bear it and uh you just continue with that kind of thing and it's like the doesn't change and he straight up was it's actually one of the few times where i've seen someone go okay and just do it it's like i didn't actually mean for you to do it what the fuck Mm -hmm. um and it happens yeah twice where you know first it's the food and then it's the housing and he just bounces but um i guess in that situation where it does feel like at least the kid would be safe it's it's hard to say like because i guess you know you look at the other kids, at least for a second, it does show the kids and they're just having fun. So who knows if they actually were contributing to the war effort. But one thing I did notice and I did want to take note of was you look at his background for his family and his dad was, he didn't look like a regular naval Japanese sailor. He looked like an officer. And if he's an officer, you know, he's well off to the point where they're like, you know, oh, you're in the Navy, you see the amount of rations he gets in the beginning just because his dad's an officer. That's and right. And there is, like, a sense of, you know, is this kid kind of spoiled? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No, you yeah, blew exactly. my mind, Kamran. Well, that's, that's exactly what I was waiting for someone to say. I mean, you look at that, of course, it's like the military. They're going to be well better off. Like, they even got their stuff out of there before anyone else like that's why she was being spiteful from the beginning because look at what her husband and then her daughter having to do versus like how easy it was for um for him to get out and get all this and he was fine you know what i mean in a sense um and his mom would have probably had like better help at some point but she just i mean after that explosion there was no helping her like especially at that time well geez um, now i don't know aunt... what to feel <laughs> well no yeah like and I mean, then it's... the aunt yeah, she like really brought out the conflict and emphasized how much he would how far he would go for his sister not only was he just trying to protect her from from the very beginning with like not saying you know what happened to their mom he was doing everything he could just to make her not see the reality of what was happening around them and he was doing everything he could to kind of shield her and protect her uh, and without the aunt like really being like a total bitch towards him, uh, we wouldn't have really seen how far he would have gone, uh, how far he would have went and how, you know, what he would have done to make sure that his sister was okay. That was his only priority, you know, even above himself. That's all he was doing was taking care of her. Um, she was such a pivotal character and she's someone that you're meant to hate for sure. You know, she's just one of those yeah. roles. Uh, kind of like Harry Potter's like step parents, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, the, I mean, you're, you're meant, and Uncle yeah, Martin. you're meant to hate them. Like, there's nothing like like, and but that emphasizes how rough it was yeah. for Harry, and this does the same exact effect here. Um, so I mean, it was her and every adult. It was just them against the world, and that yeah. was the whole story. Just these two kids trying to survive, no parents, no knowledge, limited schooling, uh. I mean, all they knew was, what, nothing at that point. Like, how Pretty was the much. kid? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they had these little, they had these little shots of, um, shots. Uh, they had these uh, little, little pieces of hope along with them, the fruit drops. Yeah. Every time, every time she got, every time the little sister got sad, she threw or threw a temper tantrum of some sort, rightfully so, um, you know, the, 
his the, the brother got frustrated and she he would give her a fruit drop or something like mm-hmm. that or you know the moment the little moments of joy like at the beach give her a fruit drop just to savor it and i'm like oh golly and then you know they run out of it and yeah sad yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. sad <laughs> and real fast just with the aunt like it's very easy to see she was an opportunist where mm-hmm. she is yeah. like, oh, well, I'll totally take you in because I know who your father is. Yep. And I'm pretty sure it sounded like she was uh, their dad. That was their his sister because she the way she talks about uh, her mom's family, uh, them being like in Tokyo and stuff like, oh, OK, so she's not from her side. That's why she also didn't really give a shit when their mom died because she's like, well, it's not my blood. Not really. Yeah. Um, oh. and so, you know, her brother is a fucking naval officer and she's like, oh, naval rations. Oh, hell yes. Like, I'll definitely take you in for that. And then the minute you, the rations start slowing is when that is when it's like, all right, the liability versus and she's not looking at them as kids. She's looking at them as assets versus liabilities. And the minute they become liabilities, then she's like, ah, I don't fucking deal with this. To yeah. the point where, you know, she even, yeah, she sells the fucking kimonos and is like, oh, well, I'll get it for us. And then, like, pretty much still takes the rice anyway and is like, oh, well, they work and they need to eat. And I'm like, part of me is like, well, they actually do do shit. But at the same time, it wasn't yours to begin with. So it's also, it's like a kind of, you know, and you can't and really. it's also like war times, too, where food was just, like, scarce. And it's yeah, like, so everyone, know, like... the reason everyone's in that state of just fuck off if I don't know you. Uh, is just survivalist mode. Everyone is in survivalist mode. And you see, it is that thing where it is like when things get really real is when you see the real version of a person or like what they're capable of. And you do see it. You see like majority of the people are very kind of pretty much like out for themselves. They won't help others. Um, But it's also kind of the fault of the, the style that their country is too at the mm-hmm. same time it's their culture yeah. and uh only a couple like really it's just that farmer who's like he can help when he can he's like yo you know kid i know you have a lot of pride but you might want to swallow it and just go back to your aunt so you guys can survive better and stuff and i'd help you out but literally even though i'm a farmer like i barely have enough for myself and i can't spare anymore at this while wow, he's eating rice in front of them mm-hmm. yeah that too that was like a major point in that scene he was eating rice directly in front of them saying i can't give you any of this this is like this is my shit like sorry guys like suck it up take care of yourselves this is where we're all at like for him to be doing that in front of those kids that's painful they're starving begging for food and no matter what he's still like not even offering a piece a bite something to carry on with them uh watching these kids wither away knowing the the i think he knew that the uh sister was sick too um it's that's intense that's heavy that's like what just blows your mind about it, about how cold people can be at that point, um, especially when they're just looking out for themselves. And I don't know, like that's another thing too with that kid. It's like, he should have sucked it up. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? It's, like, it's, yeah. it's, it's a lot. And I like, just but he was depending about... on his dad too. He yeah. thought his dad was going to come back. Um, and at that age, like your dad's in the military, you think your dad's going to come back. Like that's another you don't realize like it's a life or death literal thing um, or how close it could be. And I mean, I kind of thought his dad was dead right when they didn't hear back. I was like, after all this is happening, 
I would be surprised if he's already gone. That was another factor that when he realized that dad died, I was like, that was act one shit. Like, damn. Like, it's, it's, that's a remarkable thing about some of these films too that I noticed was that we're dealing with a lot of children characters. And it, you really have to pull back whenever you're watching any of these films. You really have to put yourself in that mindset again uh, of where what would make sense to someone this young, this naive. Um, and, and so far, all these Ghibli movies are kind of along those lines, too. Um, yeah. And I think that's such a really cool and interesting aspect, again, to go for, go for. Because you watch Pixar and stuff like that. Good stories, stuff like, you know, great. I love Pixar. You know, there's awesome stuff. But, like everyone's way smarter than they should be in that mm-hmm. sense. Like you really need to like sometimes show like these people, these, these kids are innocent and with innocence comes like, don't fucking know anything yet, dude. Like, and their like innocence lasts as long as a firefly. Yeah. Damn. damn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause that's what breaks them so fast. You know, mm-hmm. that's so, I mean, they, they and... experience life in such an intense way so quickly being that innocent that they adapt as fast as probably any any of us would at that age i mean unless you're really lucky you know that's the survival story type of stuff yeah and you know looking at them i guess at that age it's hard you know for her it's an easy you know she's just uh she's just a little kid she's Mm -hmm. what five six or something like there's not too much you can really do for her i mean there's not much she can really think or do and it's Mm -hmm. one of those things where i do get nothing he has to take care of her but at the same time i'm just like dude i know you're third i think it said in the thing he's 14 i think he's 14 years old so he's almost like borderline about to be a high schooler and and it's like wartime and everything else i can't imagine him i mean i can't imagine him being like doing I guess more in terms of like, and I get like, you know, the kid's not smart, but it is one of those things where you look at that and we just watched my neighbor Totoro and they're obviously not from the same upbringing as him where it's like, you know, Oh, we're moving out into the country cause it's easier and it's closer to the mom's hospital and stuff, but they don't really have anything either. And it's like a decade after it's not that long after it's the fifties and already the, older daughter is cooking she's doing chores she do they're both doing chores they're doing all this shit and i'm like yeah these two girls have a, they have a much higher survival rate than yeah. the, those two if they were still in the same situation i could see those two potentially surviving because even though the older sister is younger and she was younger than fucking uh well, then the boy this. was three yeah and in this one like in uh grave of the fireflies the the brother is older than both girls in totoro oh really without okay. a da- i'm pretty sure i'm oh, pretty sure yeah he was like 13 he was 14 he was he's was yeah. 13, 13 14. 14 okay and, and she the you know sister is like four years old yeah and yeah. in totoro the oldest daughter is what like nine 12 or, oh wow maybe. okay and it's like you know she's also a girl she's not even a boy so it's like you know in those times things are different too but mm-hmm. i can definitely see them doing more in like that era in the same situation where I don't even think they'd be in the fucking hut. Like they potentially would have been better off just because work for whatever. And also the fact that like, you know, you see him get found by that farmer and he beats the shit out of him and he takes him to that officer and the officer is clearly also naval. It looks like, 
Yeah. Just the the way his his sword, it's a saber, and the uniform and everything else. And he, and he was knows happy. The... He was well off too. He was the other nicest guy, which I'm surprised. I mean, he didn't even offer more either. He saw yeah, these kids. He just yeah. he offered them a glass of water, but that was like a a shred of compassion that you know he had left for yeah. a kid that is not very well off. And I thought it was interesting how he was like. I don't know. You beat up this kid pretty well. I'd say I call it assault. And then the farmer was like, oh, no. Yeah. And yeah, I'm like, dang, cool. Uh, good for you, officer. But also, he did just steal your shit. But also, good on you for recognizing that kind this is helping. just a kid. Yeah. Also, the farmer, the fact that like the kids like, oh my sister, and then the girls like right there. Farmer does not give two shits. He's just like, oh, oh you can Nothing. die. I don't give a shit. I'm telling yeah. you, the adults in this were just savage, like through and through, like worse than modern white people. It's insane how like mean they are. Just cruel. Come on, yeah. always mad when I do that. Surviving anyway. survival instincts. They bring out the worst in people. Yeah. And it's it's also one of those things where it's the it's the war effort bullshit um not saying you know the war effort's bad or whatever in certain cases but uh it's that ideal that people use that as an excuse to either show their superiority or try to the show that they're superior or to pretty much insult someone else or offend them yeah. mm -hmm. and you see that with the aunt like you know this is wartime our family's doing our part what are you doing and it's like yeah my mom's dead my dad's fighting and uh, you know fuck the and, and it's my like sister, well like yeah it's like well you you could do more and shit at the same time and you know everyone else is pretty much like well we're doing the war effort why are you fucking trying to eat this food and all this other shit and it reminds me of like kind of because it's one of those things where everyone's out for themselves and if they don't like someone or they want to show off, they'll be like, yo, we do this much for the war effort. You know, th this is how good we are. Or if they don't like someone, they'll be like, yo, you don't do shit for the war effort. And it's easy to, it's a, a recurring thing throughout history, especially like you look at the fucking Cold War era during the, are you a communist? Well, we're, we're true patriots. You might be a communist like that bullshit that they used to do too. It's just like a weird everyone out for themselves type of rhetoric and style. Um, so I thought that was really interesting that they do that. And I, I just, that's what I got from it. And you see it even just not, actually, you kind of see it nowadays too. There's still, there's always a different version, whether it's even war or something else, but there's always something like that that certain people will grasp to. And you get to kind of watch that play out. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. I mean, the whole point of it is just to like, dehumanize the other side so you could be good with like killing them you know like if you think of them as humans it's where you have compassion yeah. so it's like that that huge effect and you know with that war effort aspect and that's what that's what really kind of trips me out about this whole thing too is like towards the end you got to see where some of the kids came back because i guess they were staying in tokyo or maybe in other places i have no idea but like those girls they were i'm guessing they were older like high school it seemed like um, the ones that had dresses at the very end of the movie. Oh, good. Just... The house isn't blown up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you're kind of just like seeing the contrast to what happened to a kid that didn't have that opportunity versus the people that probably like, got out like just in time and yeah. were able to stay away. And just coming back to like, oh, wow, this is crazy. It all happened. But they didn't have to really go through that survival aspect. Um, 
brutal you know you would have really think through like a wartime effort people would be i don't know i guess when you think of american wartime effort like world war ii everyone seemed to be like bonding together like and stuff you know that's like the impression they put on yeah that's and like the history and, uh, books and everything rosie the riveter came in she was like yeah women can do it yeah and red lipstick yeah. became a thing and yeah and yeah, actually sorry yeah <laughs> it there's i guess going back to it yeah there's multiple things on that where for america and japan like you see america the closest they get to us is pearl harbor which you know is their biggest mistake obviously yeah and uh the whole war effort portion you're going off of two things here one they're out of the great depression and right now this is like yo war market everything else and everyone's working and everyone's got a job you're either fighting or you're working to help the fight yeah and for america you know it's you know things are still you know they still have to make sure they supply their troops and everything else but it's not as bad you know we're a vast country different environments with different crops and yields and food and all this stuff that we can supply with and we're not going in as conquerors we're going in as liberators which you know surprise usually that's not our case that's like the yeah. first time we actually did that holy yeah. shit uh we could be good um sometimes and rarely and uh the japanese are an imperial force who are hell-bent on conquering pretty much asia as much as they can like all the islands uh china southeast asia all of it they're trying to get as much as possible if they want they probably would also want russia too and or like the eastern portions of it even though a lot of it's just snow at that point over there but uh they are in the beginning you know everyone has to do their part too and they're winning the minute they're not winning supply lines are getting harder things are getting worse hey all of your shit, we're commandeering it. All of your crops going to the military. Everything is going to the military. All the food in the country. It's not a big country still at the same time. And they are exhausting everything. Mm -hmm. And to the point now, we're on, they're on the defense. And you're like, okay, strategically speaking, you are an imperial country attempting to take more land. And now you are losing immensely and you are starving at home, which shows that your war is not worth it anymore. If you can't even, your homeland is literally on the verge of collapse pretty yeah. much. And you are also just not, you pretty much lost majority of the territory you've gained. And Japan in this sense, it's kind of like we talked about last week where uh, it was the whole thing of if Japan had, you know, Japan wouldn't have been a good country if it didn't lose. Yeah. And uh, it, it's true, too, because when you look at the way Japan was at that time, uh, they were very unique compared to other countries that have gone on conquering and doing other stuff. You know, a country collapses, whatever, someone takes over, it goes back and forth. With Japan, that never really happens. Before, they were always, they were on the, the defense against, I believe, maybe Russia and then the Mongolians, like the Khans and stuff. Yeah. And they would defend each time. They'd fucking kill the shit out of everyone they could because that was their culture their lifestyle of like yo you're an honorable sam you're just honorable it's all about honor and everyone needs to die like they're not really the type to take prisoners and also like they're not the type to be taken prisoner mm -hmm. and you have that whole lifestyle that whole ideal 
And it's going worse and worse and worse to the point where, like, you know, at one point in the movie, they're like, oh, look, kamikaze. Oh, it's so... They're like, he's ha- he's smiling, like, oh, cool, a kamikaze. Like, oh, this dude's about to go fucking blow himself up yeah. and try to, like, crash into a ship and yep. kill himself. And they're like... Me out. It was kind of brief, too. It kind of just, like, goes yeah. by you in that scene. So... Mm-hmm. And then he also reenacts, like, the pew, 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 like, the guns and stuff. And oh, then yeah. he kind of comes back to reality for a second because um you know he was flashing back to his father's naval review and he was telling his sister about uh how awesome that naval review was and he and then he starts reenacting stuff from the war like pew 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 and stuff and you know then he you know came back to reality after having that lovely memory and then um he was like that oh okay we're yep. actually living it and it actually kind of sucks <laughs> i sure miss dad yeah that's the whole thing yeah. of like yeah. you know kids pretend war when you're a kid that's you know you always do that and stuff and i was actually like yeah the kids spot on with the gun sounds well done i used to do the same thing when i was a kid right and uh then you, yeah, you get to the real shit and you're like oh this fucking sucks and everyone's firebombing everything this this blows and you know seeing all that you do see that whole thing of like oh it took you know two bombs to fucking stop this country finally because um i don't know if you guys ever knew it but like um before they did it the whole thing was japan was like we will never surrender you will literally have to come into tokyo and kill us all to stop this war and piece by piece and we're going to fight till the very end and they're like oh so projecting how this is gonna look just to take tokyo literally millions will die literally yeah and on both sides and it was just like oh my god it's literally insane like no you know when germany lost they were getting hit by both sides and it was harder and their leader pretty much was like yeah fuck it i'm gonna kill myself i don't want to deal with this and they (laughs) they just pretty much gave up they they were done uh they were easier to just surrender like germans also they they were pretty much like you know western style so they're like oh we're gonna you know just fine i'm done i don't deal with this and whereas japan was like you will literally fight until you're dead it was such a huge difference, and that is why, why it like, goes to Tsushima. If you didn't choose to kill the uncle, fucked up. Fucked up. Yeah. Fucked up. Don't kill him. Just <laughs> fuck with him that way. But uh, the the whole thing there is like, you see then how it stems all the way through the military, through the people that are just with all those kids. That is how they are all pretty much conditioned to be. Of like, yeah. that's how everything's just about. And it's crazy just seeing that from top to bottom. And that's honestly watching this whole movie. That was what I was getting the whole time. That's what I was thinking about. Like I was, it was like the parts where I felt I should have been sadder for the kids. I was too busy already contemplating like, oh yeah, then this and this and this, and this is why they're acting like this. And I was more, much more analytical in this movie than I expected myself to be. Same. Yeah. So especially like what you're saying, you know, the part that really made me realize that was you know once he gets the money and then he's just charging around just being like you mean the great uh japan empire has been defeated we like the kid is freaking out mm-hmm. that the war is over he's and been, they surrendered as ty as ty mentioned before he's been brainwashed in a sense yeah and that's like where you're just like everyone's like this like they they know what's going on this kid mm-hmm. is struggling his sister is dying nobody is helping him and they think that it's this great empire like they think it's this beautiful astonishing thing when it's just falling apart kind of like america today mm-hmm. but like just like <laughs> but how just long like has literally. america been falling apart for since we got here 
pretty good at it. It's like a, yeah. it's like a fucking. Hey, you shouldn't have built the house here. It's already rotting. Nah, it'll be fine. It was, yeah. No, but like, our, you know, ours is a that's a whole different story to tell. Yeah. But, you know, we won't get into that one for sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and I'm, the I'm, whole thing. I'm glad that you went analytical. I'm glad that you went on the analytical side because I'm a very emotional person. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, I, I was about to say, you know, artistic people tend to be very emotional. Um, but, you know, there's also a huge spectrum when it comes to uh, artistic integrity. There's You can be a Kamran or a Thai and you can be extremely analytical. And for me, I'm on the spectrum of like, no, but the emotional depth. <laughs> Oh, I no, I mean, that's just, feel. it just depends, like, what you're looking for in it, too. I mean, yeah. like, in that sense, like, you know, both, I think all of us were really sad during that movie, mm-hmm. like, 100%, you know, like, like I said, that impacted the hell out of me, like, at the end of it, like, I was just bummed, like, for it to, like, leave you kind of sitting there wondering what's going on, that, that, that hits, you know, you can't just get up and walk away from it, mm-hmm. you have to really kind of soak in it a little while, but, um, I mean, also, in a sense, it just depends on, like, I mean, like what we said in the show, what we look for is kind of just analyzing the craft and analyzing the story itself. And yeah, um, and I'm glad and going... that you, I'm glad that you all did that because I am not a very, I mean, I didn't study war as intensely because you know I grew up, I, I mean I, I grew up just knowing that oh, war is bad. And um, I know that it could be sad for people, and I don't. I <laughs> I want to shield myself away from that because it's sad. And um, uh, Grave of the Fireflies was, you know, the first war movie that I actually watched that you know actually emotionally gripped me. I tried Saving Private Ryan, but it was really late at night when I was, and oh, I was seventeen. A... I was seventeen years old. And um, <laughs> Damn, I, I was really tired, and I slept through half the movie. So oh my god, oh, okay, no. that's a tough one too. That's like a yeah, yeah. I think a thing. three hour film or something. Yeah, I so I was yeah, as a seventeen year old, I started watching that at eleven o'clock at night, and um, the person I watched it with, he actually got extremely mad at me because I slept through half the movie. I'm like, I'm a high schooler. You made me watch it at eleven o'clock at night. What were you gonna expect? Anyways. <laughs> um was, oh oh right i was i had it in my head a second ago oh right uh the the whole thing with me uh thinking about it was that like the whole re- talk about the war and everything uh the way japan goes about it because it's one of those things where when you look at that and the situation they're in and the hardships all these people are facing right now is something i'd expect if they were being invaded, if they were never the ones to start at all. Mm-hmm. But this is the weird fact of like, you know, this is like you guys are actually the ones that started all of this and you kept going with it. And when you started losing, you didn't give up. And this is what not giving up looks like. Yeah. For your people that you started this whole thing for. And it's just crazy to think that that was the way they went for it because it's a very, I think it's very unique because you don't see that often. You don't see like this kind of situation occur often where you're like, oh my God, what happened? Why are you guys being attacked? Oh, we tried to invade half the world. Oh, <laughs> we didn't We didn't say when, so we kept going anyway. Uh, and and that, that's what I thought was very specific of more just like that style 
and the way they were then compared to the way they were when they were making the movie. Uh, it's like super different where you look at like, oh, this is kind of scary the way this whole thing works versus now where you're like, I fucking love anime. <laughs> it's like it's yeah. such a weird, it's such a weird well, turn. It is. And it's kind of weird because it's like one of those movies that's also like really hard to get a hold of, like mm-hmm. in a big sense. Like this was because uh, of everything that kind of goes on in it. Um, apparently this is the only one that didn't make that Disney deal where like you could watch all like the these movies on Disney Plus or whatever. This is the only movie that's not part of that. Yeah. I think it's a, it's on HBO Max. No, it's the, it did no, it's it make not. it to HBO Max? I mean no, it, I mean it, yeah. the the Ghibli movies are on HBO Max. They're not on Disney Plus. Uh, um, it's not on H- Grave of the Fireflies is not. No, no, no. It's just yeah. the it's certain Ghibli movies that are on there. Um yeah. this one isn't. It's actually yeah, you can only rent it pretty much on certain things and then yeah. good I luck just, buying it. Yeah, I just bought um, the Blu-ray, which came with three additional deleted scenes. Oh cool! Yeah, I didn't watch. I didn't watch all of them, but I oh. watched one. And of course, was it was it? a. It was a. It was a happier scene. Um, I think it was a. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> oh, they, they, they're was, like, yo, this was, is happy. Go cut that shit out right now. Take it out of this. I don't no, want to. No, it's not movie. effective. In the movie. Um, but I. This was the only deleted scene that I watched. But they had made it up to uh, their shelter. Uh, they made it up to the. Uh, the air raid shelter they were camping out there and it was more of a it was a montage of the little sister um playing around the uh swamp area what was she playing with um oh i'm trying to remember uh so it was kind of similar to the ending yeah, right it was kind of. It shows like the way she was. Before. Yeah, it was similar to that, and I think this, and I think it probably would have went along with that. Um, but she was playing. She was playing with something more specific. I can't. I, I can't remember. But I remember it like, oh, good. This movie wasn't entirely like. <laughs> entirely no. dark yeah it wasn't entirely if you can dark purchase the film and watch the deleted scenes yes if yeah purchase, right yes. yeah if you thought like oh like if you just want a little bit more hope in the film you know you can watch the deleted scenes um but you know i i that was the only deleted scene that i watched um but i i mentioned last week because i think um Brandon, what what's the, what's the question that you all normally ask? Like what like the main theme oh, yeah. is or something like, like what's that? What's the armature? Like what's like the the point of the story? The basically. point of the story. So you all gave your thing with that, and I mentioned community. How like closely knit the community was. Mm-hmm. I realized this is the stark opposite. This yeah. is an antithesis. So, of it. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think, you know, maybe, I don't know if Miyazaki and Takahata were like, kind of like, hey, I'm going to do this, you should do that, or something like that. No, they had a more friendly, competitive nature about each other, but, um, of which I will get to that later. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, Takahata made this movie when, he, uh, just to show the, uh, hey, we turned against each other. Um, our community turned against each other and then uh, this was a result of us losing the war we all rely on each other now yeah I totally see that that's a great that's a great way to like think about that 
Um, you're right. Yeah. I, you know, I kind of struggled with like the armature with this film. Um, I mean, it's very much because it's based on a true story. It's kind of hard to. Th those ones are always harder because it's more of like it's the story. It's like this is the the, the armature is that this is based on a true story. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it would be potentially anti-war of like mm -hmm. uh, the point is this is what war will get you or I guess depending on what kind of war you're fighting. But this is what kind of war this is what will happen for this kind of war you're doing and why war isn't good if it's going to be doing this to your well war is never good but this is especially why war isn't good because this is what happens to your people even though the ones that aren't fighting are suffering and in the end it's like is it worth it and at the end of the day you ask the question for certain wars like was it worth it for america to fight and it's like yes because there were fucking concentration camps and the rape and engineering and all these different things of atrocities the the axis forces were doing so is it worth it for us to go in there yes i think so was it worth japan to do all these things no why because they committed the atrocities and because of well, all this shit that we see happens at the end for them was it worth it i don't think so so it it, it it's that kind of thing i think mm -hmm. this is like that's i really like what alessandra was saying like this is what happens um when you lose community during wartime um it's just pain dude that's just so much it's so harsh like how do you nobody's really happy no one's surviving no one's like gathering no one's like doing anything to kind of check in on each other yeah and that's that's really that's really the truth behind it because every time there's a moment where things seem to get better or when things kind of advance like it always comes back to that you lose your community like things just get harder for them like they have no one to rely on um the essence of just survival and self uh self self selfishness or being selfish um i can't say selfish for some reason um Said and that's just fast. no <laughs> <laughs> that, that's just that's just too cool yeah uh it's just one of those movies that's just like really oh man you're the contrast between these two and for a lot of stuff like you never see something go this deep into reality in that sense um and it's like backing up your what you were saying about Totoro where they were saying it's good that they lost the war they kind of needed a wake-up call to how they were and they needed to like figure things out um and it was a slap in the face to like kind of help each other again um oof that's intense yeah. and also um what was I thinking the going back to this and what we've already done this year I would say We've already now covered in this year two historically need necessary films. Mm -hmm. uh, the first being Malcolm X and the second now being Great of the Fireflies, where I think these are necessary. Like I, w I said before uh, about like, oh, you know, you watch a movie in high school. The teacher's probably just like, nah, I don't fucking know what to, you yeah. know, I don't have anything. Here's a movie, guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, which I, you know, God, fucking French class. God damn it. <clears throat> um, but happened way too much i didn't learn shit i lost all my french but uh the fact that you could do these and then base things around it being like hey we're gonna cover the civil rights movement here's malcolm x also while yeah. we're covering that in the middle of it somewhere in that week here's world war ii this is also another perspective you probably don't get that often because usually it is just which i even thinking about it looking back i don't i honestly don't remember that much coverage of world war ii 
in high school. Oh, like yeah. I, I don't Thanks. like everything I know about it is from myself. I just fucking oh, maybe right went through that. and I was very active in wanting to learn it. Yeah, I remember more in um I remember my sophomore year of high school, uh my we moved to my family moved to the south and um when I was a sophomore and I remember my world history teacher, she said, uh so we are going to briefly cover World War II, but you'll cover more about that in U.S. history next year because America was a lot more involved in it and it was very, you know. Um, so I learned more about World War II in U.S. history, but I'll be honest with you, I don't remember that much of it. We had two history because we had a Texas history class too. So Texas. We, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We had Texas history Howdy. and like U.S. history, so that was doubled up. Um, gosh, what was I going to say about that? Too, I totally lost. Oh, we we here have been in Texas for two thousand years, and then the Mexicans <laughs> tried yeah, to take exactly. it from us. Remember the Alamo? <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was Wait a minute! Oh shoot! Oh god! Um, man, yeah, it's very. We kind of chose some interesting movies this year, and I'm kind of like I was kind of excited for that, and I knew the first part of our year was going to be kind of way more intense. Um, then it loosens up more and more and more as we uh, progress. But starting off with the Spike Lee movies, especially like uh, oh, we did. I keep on thinking we did uh, do the right thing, and I was like, dude, no, do the right thing. No, Blue blues. Like not. We just but, watched a man get yeah. beat the shit out of and couldn't trump it anymore. That's what we yeah. watched. <laughs> um, yeah, this was a you know they made this uh, intended for like scholarly stuff. Uh, they I, I just saw a fact right now that um, reason that Tortoro's tie in with the movie with more educational merit would guarantee its inclusion in the list of summer's recommended movies for school children. So this oh. was meant to like educate and bring a lot to that. Um, I mean, it's pretty, it, it stacks up the purpose of a lot of things based on a true story. This was intended to educate and kind of show the reality like this is, and for kids and how do you relate more with kids and just showing kid characters, you know, um, yeah. especially with the sense of what we were saying, thinking and everything of that age. Um, I do I see though how Takahata's movie would be great in a school and then Miyazaki's movies are great for like the equivalent of summer reading but just yeah. summer watching yeah because almost all of them have a really good message or at least mm -hmm. specifically thinking about Nausicaa and Totoro mm -hmm. and stuff specifically but yeah I've been craving to watch Nausicaa because I want to read it again so I still have to read oh, so many things I have to read well my last fact and this was interesting I just came across this when I was looking up the school stuff uh that apparently if you zoom in on the poster or no brighten the poster uh that it's also not just fireflies but there's bombs like b-52 bombs oh, bombs oh my heart oh, sorry that you know like i thought i just think that's too crazy um I just imagine yeah. someone zooming in oh what's that right there oh Oh, yeah. oh my damn it yeah. my heart just dropped Ugh. here they come god damn oh god but um what a f what, yeah. a, what a good fact yeah which alessandra what was the um the competitiveness between uh miyazaki and takahata that you were saying before oh i just um i saw in a documentary that uh Miyazaki and Takahata always release their movies around like the same time. Like, uh, I'll use The Wind Rises and The Tale of Princess Kaguya, for example. This uh, documentary came out before um, 
I think he can't, I think it came out before Takahata died. Um, but the wind rises and the tale of princess Kaguya was set to release. Um, I can't, I can't remember. I know that, I know that wind rises came out in 2013, I believe. Um, uh, and the tale of princess Kaguya was supposed to come out within like a month, but they both, but you know, the more Miyazaki delayed, um, Takahata also kind of delayed and the, oh my yeah, God. they kind of went back and forth between each other and they meant they, you know, they kind of made a playful comment in it and, uh, in, in the documentary. Um, and I think one of the producers said that. You know, Takahata was kind of the one who brought Miyazaki into this whole film thing. And, like, he... Takahata introduced Miyazaki to Joe Hisaishi and this person and that person. You know, he's so successful now. And now they have, like, this little rivalry between each other on whose film will be more, like, successful or something like that. And I'm like, that is super interesting. But, I mean... I call. I mean, I saw it more as like I need to watch the documentary again. But I remember thinking to myself, "So is this more of like a friendly rivalry?" Probably or... friendly. I mean, Takahata yeah. used to work on before. Yeah. Grave of the Fireflies. I don't. Almost fucking said Ghost of Tsushima. Goddamn. Before Grave of the Fireflies, like um, he produced Nausicaa and uh, Castle in the Sky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like they worked together a lot, yeah. which is funny too. Yeah, I remember Miyazaki at least all of his stuff. Like he wasn't originally; he was just an animator before he was mm-hmm. a director. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so I thought that was a little fun, fun like oh you know they're friends and you know they they they're both like as equally good you know movie directors and stuff and um, I just thought you know the you know their biggest films they always they tried to release like within like a month of each other or something like that but i think kaguya came out first it ended up coming out first because miyazaki kept delaying wind rises a lot oh wow i think interesting i think don't care because that was also his last film let let me let me look that up real quick (laughs) which Wind Rises was his last movie, but isn't he back now to direct one last thing? Yes. He, he, he yes. came out of retirement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He yeah. came out of retirement. God, there's so, it's crazy looking when exploring more into all the Ghibli stuff. It's amazing how many I haven't seen. Okay. Because I just solely Kaguya, associated Ghibli with Miyazaki. Yeah, Kaguya came out um, October 2014. The Wind Rises release. Uh. Oh no! The Wind Rises came out um, before Kaguya did. Uh, Wind Rises came out February twenty. Uh, the USA release of um, Wind Rises came out in February. Okay. Twenty fourteen. All right. Well, I think that's all we got. Yeah. Pretty sure. That's all I got. Yeah. So. It's funny looking at it, just one last thing, I guess, uh, looking at these Ghibli movies, at least like the Miyazaki ones and this one, uh, this one specific of Grave of the Fireflies, because I don't know the other ones really, but it, it's funny comparing them to like Disney where, you know, 
eventually I'm like, would we ever want to cover a Disney movie here? And I'm like, maybe the early, early ones, just because of the history behind them. Yeah. But otherwise, you know, I'm like, these are just fairy tales. Like, there's nothing more about them than their fairy tales. Whereas I look at these Ghibli movies and I'm like, the reason why I want to cover them so badly and kind of want to keep doing them almost every year until we run out practically. Uh, I mean, that's my feeling. Like, that's what I kind of want to do inside, but we have so much shit. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know me. I'll be there. I'll be your girl. (laughs) It's the the messaging behind them. That there's so much more messaging. There's so much more meaning behind them. And it just feels like there's so much more detail because it doesn't feel like a fairy tale. It feels like even the ones that are fantasy, it just like the detail of like, oh, this is me doing regular shit uh, for a second takes you away from the fact that this could even be a fantasy. You're just like, oh, yeah, it's people doing their own thing. Like watching Nasuka take out a fucking ohm shell. I'm like, the small detail of that, I'm like, I wouldn't see this in a fucking Disney it movie. Makes her, yeah. It makes her so human. It humanizes her so much because you get to see who she really is and you see like, oh, I love these big ass bugs so much. Yep. They bring so much to our world and we make weapons out of these and oh my gosh, these ohms are just, mm, they're just yeah. primo. <laughs> And, and no stuff. one's fucking singing either. There's no yeah, fucking, there's no, like, no one's probably like the goddamn too. song. A uh, big which thing you know, I don't like. I, I just we've talked about it before. I fucking hate musicals. Like I think they're just. They're... Which I, I will say, like I'm not saying they're bad, but they're, you can see the difference there because they're yeah. like fucking Renaissance Disney stuff. You know, I, I fucking love that shit. Like I, I probably had the the Hercules audio fucking songs on my little video cassette tape exactly i fucking sing that all the time as a kid and i still will if no one's around maybe we'll see but uh you know brandon i will be honest with you i mean i i I teach music for a living so you did hurt my heart just a little bit when you're like i hate musicals but i also don't blame you (laughs) i studied music for years too i just i just can't do musicals like i i totally especially as a cinematic aspect can't can't do it yeah i i have a i have you know a thing. But i'm also not a disney person like i don't like disney movies mm-hmm. i just don't i just i he's a shrekker he's a shrek a lot of that I just, I just never did as a kid i don't know i guess i started the anim batman the animated series too early and nothing else compared <laughs> oh hey yeah fun, funny thing my sister who's a also a very big disney person and she's really amazing at like drawing and art and shit but like I remember she was complaining about the animation of Batman. I'm like, but why is it better than everything you like, though? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's funny, Brandon, because I grew growing up watching Disney. I, I did. I like. I love. I loved. You know, the Renaissance Disney stuff, and you know, the last one that I felt like had that. You know, that subtle touch of Disney Renaissance stuff was Princess and the Frog because I've been watching that with my kids mm. recently. And um, then after that, I just felt like I learned about, after learning about all the politics and money-mongering stuff that Disney does, I'm like, this yeah. took away the magic for me. This is really sad. Disney now makes me more sad the, than anything. The so. only thing that's like brought me back to Disney as of recent, and we actually were going to do Disney movies this year, was like I really grew an appreciation for the animators um yeah especially for like pinocchio and stuff like that like the animation behind it and the production I, skills behind yeah, it that's thanks what to i really disney, to love. i would not have so much knowledge about how animators do their job yeah i wouldn't yeah that's the cool part yeah, mm-hmm. that's something i will admire but everything else is kind everything of else sucks <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Cool. It'll be interesting when we eventually try to hit that area. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what year it'll even be. Who knows? But we'll see what happens. Yeah. It's not this year, guys. We're busy this year. We only have room for one more animated month. And that's actually, speaking of, the next yes. thing we're covering, uh, we are doing more Ralph Bakshi movies uh, like we did last year. Last year we did uh, Ice and Fire. No, Fire and Ice. Fire and, Ice. and uh, American Pop, you which know, was, in fact, American actually Pop a very. Up that's a final father and son type of scene, or not father and son, but like death scene at the very end. Than I felt like this movie did that whole. Honestly, like... American Pop was more emotional for me. I'm not gonna lie. Oh yeah, that was, that was much more emotional because that was that was generations of people just getting fucked over. I couldn't I couldn't deal with it. That was um, the movies we're doing this time though is one that I think you said is your favorite. Wizards, right? One of my favorites. One, one of my favorites. Okay. Yeah. Is Wizards and also the animated Lord of the Rings, yes. which I believe covers I think just Fellowship, Fellowship and Towers yeah. inside of it. Yeah. yeah. So. And I'm going to be working on, we might get a guest for that one too, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see who we can get. Gee, but, I wonder who it would be. Uh, it's actually might be someone in your house. I'm actually going to ask first um, because <laughs> of Lord of the Rings. But otherwise, you know, who also would have been potentially, it's one of those two. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll be doing that next. And then afterwards, uh, we'll see where we're at from there. We're pretty much kind of winging it right now. And we'll see... We'll, we'll know more of what's coming up next as we come to the close of like the following month and stuff. Mm-hmm. So just keep an eye out. But we still potentially plan on, even though we're still late and everything, should still have everything out by the end of the year, which yeah. will be fun. So we got a plan. We do have a plan. We called it and talked about it earlier. It was a good plan. <laughs> but all right, everyone. Alessandra, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram. In, wow. I can't speak. Instagram and Twitter. You can find me on Instagram, aharms11. Um, you, uh, my account is still open. It is not set to private yet. Because um, <laughs> you heard my lovely reasoning last yep. week. And I'm proud to say that no sugar daddies have gotten in touch with me. So... <laughs> I think I scared everyone. Uh, in Twitter, uh, Ali Bear, A11E Bear. And, uh, um, you know, you'll find all sort of goofy content on both of those platforms. And uh, don't friend me on Facebook. That's it. Reasonable enough, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, Brandon, where can people find your show? Check out Apollo City Comics on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. We have a bunch of cool video content coming out for you guys. So check out YouTube now, awesome. especially. But Instagram, hit that up. That's where I'm always at. See some cool metal stuff from recent <laughs> showage. <laughs> oh, yeah, Liquid Metal, right? You guys oh, came yeah. with that episode? Yeah. yeah. I hope you oh, like yeah, that Oh, yeah, literally. I've had a lot of metal go through my page from like the shows I've been to lately to like heavy liquid. Um, we actually do have a heavy metal thing coming up too. Yeah. Hype for this. All right. But yeah, it's going to be so metal. Oh, yeah, my, God. oh my God. All right. And of course, uh, check out up to down to it. We had up uh, our last episode came out or a new half of hiatus episode came out. Uh, Last Friday, it was episode 10. Uh, we talked about surgeries and injuries. Good time. Very fucking fun for that. And uh, soon, it's coming soon, 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 is the Cut of Steel, Where Are They Now episode, where we'll talk about all the uh, 
DC movies since Man of Steel and where the fuck are they and all the pulse checks of is this uh, canceled? Is this in development hell and whatnot? It'll be a fun time. And uh, this Friday, two days after this comes out, we will have uh, Super Side Talk 150, which uh, had to, it was originally going to be Monday, but we switched to Friday just because we're covering Horizon uh, Forbidden West and it was much longer than I anticipated. So I have been playing it very late into the night and did not finish it in time for our normal recording so it'll be a fun friday release for that but yeah uh enjoy that and hopefully you'll enjoy our coming bakshi month of sutra sidewatch until next time catch y'all later bye later